shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Good morning. Good morning. I got one minute until it's afternoon. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Second service. Welcome to everyone that's tuning in. We love you guys out there in TV land, Facebook land, and wherever you are. We just thank God for you. Pastor Daniel, we love you over in uh, Kenya. Lord, we just thank God. Home of Bay there. Christian Embassy that will be functioning and doing all that they do. we got 15 churches that Pastor Daniel's overseeing for us there in uh, all around the Kenya uh, area, uh, Burundi and uh, Congo and Rwanda. I think eight churches in Rwanda and Tanzania or Tanzania. Uh, there's all, it just keeps growing. He just got back with me. Uh, they got back from a conference and uh, looks like a great group is wanting to start a church and fellowship in another community there. The gospel's just growing all around the world. We're getting messages back all every week from all around the world. Thank God for what you do here at Christian Embassy and how you reach out around the world. We just praise God for you and your support and all that you do. And here we are to study God's Word together today. Um, we were in Europe last summer and uh, well, I was out on the Autobahn and got to drive 203 kilometers an hour. Uh, I wasn't doing the fastest, so people were passing by me. Phew, phew. That's like 126 miles an hour, and they were just leaving me like I was stopped. So we got to get on the Autobahn. We, we got a, a lot to cover in a short amount of time here this morning. And, uh, and so we just want you to put your seatbelts on and your ears open and your eyes open and say, Lord, I'm here to learn. Uh, I want to be prepared for this week and for this life that you have for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. We started a series last week on the coming against one of the devil's greatest tactics, and that is you can trust the Bible. Because we find that the enemy from day one in the garden, he came to Eve dressed up as the, the most beautiful uh, creature in the garden. He comes up to Eve, and, and what he tries to do is trick her by coming against the Word of God. Did God really say it that way? to get her to doubt the word of God. And the same happened with Jesus when he began his ministry. If you remember, he's in the wilderness 40 days, and after that time, he's hungry, and the devil comes up there, and you know, he, the devil heard God the Father speak when Jesus was baptized. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, he said. And here, now the devil said, if you are the son of God, if that's true, if what God said is true, if what your father said is true, turn this stone into bread, and then uh, Jesus, you remember what he replied, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, so here the devil's tactic, his, his strategy is to come against the word of God. I saw recently some, some ranting on uh, some of the social media platforms of someone saying, you can't trust the Bible. Those Christians are a bunch of ridiculous folks. They try to stand on this Bible and, and started giving all these uh, reasons why you can't trust the Bible. They were truly exposing themselves as the idiots that they are and operating. Can, can you say that at church? Okay. And uh, Okay. <laughs> There's some other words I could use, but I'm going to be really... Not nice, but, and, uh, but it's like the devil never stops. He spews out the same stuff trying to get, and no one was, had the boldness to come back with them uh, and say, wait a minute, you're wrong here, and, and give them the facts. And the Spirit of the Lord says, the reason my people are not doing it because they don't know. They don't know. And I said, well, I, if I'm a shepherd of this house, we're going to know. 
So I'm, I'm here, and it's not the, the shout and let's run the owl sermons that, that we probably like, but we need to know why we believe what we believe and from the source that we believe it from, and that be in the Bible. You can trust the Bible. In 2 Peter 1.21, the Bible says, For prophecy never came by the will of man. This which we have was not something man-made. It's not something that man came up with. It is by holy men of God that God spoke as they, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That this is the Spirit of God's doing in giving us this holy word. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all scripture is given by inspiration. That word inspiration in the Greek means God breathed, the breath of God, the life of God. It is the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine and reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. And then I love 1 Peter 3 and 15 where the Bible says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. That and always be ready to give a defense. That word apologia uh, is in the Greek, and then we get our word apologetics from. It's, it's studying to give the proper defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear or reverence before the Lord. So we need to know how to give an apologia, how to give an answer uh, to those that are questioning it. Because let me tell you what, the devil will question the word of God and he fools people into believing his lie that the word of God is not reliable. Father God, we come to you, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and receive uh, all that you have for us this day. We pray that a holy work of heaven would take place in these next few moments, Lord God, as we teach your word and we preach on your word let there be a supernatural manifest of your presence in and through this place and in every life we pray in jesus name amen Amen. So put seatbelts on. We're on the Autobahn. We're going to really take it uh, fast so that we can cover a lot of information. Take pictures of the screens overhead. They'll be online as well. So you can go back to last Sunday's and watch part one of this uh, to help you get the more details that I'm not able to go over this morning. But for a quick review of last Sunday, I gave you an acrostic faces for the first five uh, reasons you can trust the Bible. And one was fulfilled prophecy. And you remember I talked about fulfilled prophecy. There are hundreds of prophecies in, in different uh, ways that the prophecies about uh, Jesus is told and fulfilled. And if you were to just take eight of them, and we know there, there's over a hundred, but if you were to take just eight of them and see their fulfillment, which we have proof they were, the probability of that happening is well, one or ten to the 28th power. Uh, so that's uh, 10 octillion, if you can think that big. Uh, that, to give you a probability cause on that, if you were to take silver dollars uh, and stack them waist high all over Texas and take one silver dollar and put a magic marker, black mark on it, bury it, stack those silver dollars waist high all over Texas, and then put someone blindfolded out there, and the probability that they could go blindfolded and dig through all of the waist deep of all these silver dollars covering all of Texas and find that one coin with their first try, that's the probability of Jesus specifically fulfilling eight of the prophecies that were told even hundreds of years before he was born. 
Now, if you take all of the prophecies of Jesus that are fulfilled, you can stack those silver dollars 120 feet high, say 12 stories high, over all of the land mass of the world, mark one coin, put a blindfolded person there, and let them find that one coin with their first try. That's the probability. I'm telling you, fulfilled prophecy is powerful. How something is told with such detail hundreds of years before, and then fulfilled to the very minute detail of which it was prophesied, has so much power behind it. And then there's the archaeological evidence. Every time they dig, they say, yeah, I love these secular archaeologists. Ah, that Bible story's not real. And they start digging over here, and the Bible says such and such happens, and then they find such and such that uh, confirms that what the Bible said is true, and they're like, oh, <laughs> let's cover that up. Uh, how do we uh, twist that? And they can't. And then they go over here and they dig and they say, ah, they said some civilization was here and the Bible said that such and such emperor in his name. Oop, and then they dig something up, it's got the emperor's name on it, something up that references the Bible and it's an age. And they're like, to the point, they now say, let's use the Bible as our roadmap to tell us where we should go do our next dig. Because we can't ever dig anything up that disproves the Bible. So this thing is 100% accurate. So let's study it, not from a, a, a Christian or religious, but from an archaeological viewpoint so that we can know where our next successful dig will be. Praise God. So even the world is smart enough to realize that when God said something was real, they can go dig it up and find out it was real. The same is true with the consistency from the beginning of the end. you got 66 books here, over 40 authors. They had different educational backgrounds. They had different cultural backgrounds. It's written over a 1,500-plus period of time of actual writing. They were separated by thousands of miles over three continents. you got Africa and Asia and Europe. And then you got three different languages. you got Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And all of it comes together consistent from beginning to end with a redemptive story and a relationship with God and that could not happen. It could not happen. We're a publishing company with International Publishing Inc. We have authors that come to us and say, I have a manuscript here. I'm, 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 I'm torn over this. What do I do? And we're like, what, what's your issue? They say, well, I started writing it several years ago and, and this was my storyline and this was my thought. But I've had this experience and I've had that experience and, and that changed that and that and, and now I, I don't even feel that anymore and I feel like I should go this way. Should, you know, how do, I, how do I make all that blend? It's just like going in scattered directions. Well, we're a publishing company. We say, well, you need to write five different books here, you know, five different uh, uh, story angles because there's no way to blend it all together. It just doesn't make sense. But let me tell you what. When, that's just with one author with his own book over a few years. Let me tell you what. Here you've got 66 books, 40 authors. You've got over 1,500 plus years. You've got thousands of miles separated, cultural, educational differences, different continents that it's written on, over three different languages and its translations and all, but it's the same story from beginning to end. And if you find something you think is a conflict, you read a greater context of the Bible and you'll find that it's not competing with itself it's completing what God has said. There's nothing like it. Hallelujah. 
And then there's the extra biblical writings. I love that. They're these secular historians, these newscasters of the day. They're there, not with their cameras, that wouldn't have been invented yet, but they're there with their, their, their uh, you know, papyrus or their scrolls that they're writing on and they're experiencing and seeing what they see from a secular point of view and writing it down in history. And it confirms everything that the Bible says. It never contradicts it. Wow. And then there's the scientific accuracy and foresight where the Bible says the earth is round. People say, oh, that's the Bible. You can't believe the Bible. The earth is flat. It's flat. Some said it's even triangular. You get to the end, you fall off of it. Then they found out you get to the end, it just rolls right on over. The thing is round. Okay, the Bible must know what it's talking about. The earth is hanging out in space. It's just hanging there on nothing. It's what the Bible says. They're like, ah, oh, that's foolish. No, one group says the earth is, is on an elephant's back and the elephant's on a turtle's back and the turtle's swimming in this big sea. That's how it is. That took a lot of brains, didn't it? And then there's one, oh, there's this big strong man and he's got the earth on his shoulders. Yeah, right. Then they find out with uh, Newton and gravity, it's like, oh, the gravitational pull. Really? Wow. It's just hanging there on nothing. The Bible must know what it's talking about. On and on and on. The Bible says the stars cannot be numbered. And there were some astronomers in their day with their little old dim light, a uh, little dim uh, little glass. They look up and say, well, I count 156 stars. No one comes and says, ah, you're wrong. I counted 1,086, not 1,056. I counted 30 more. There's 1,086. Another one comes and says, you're all wrong. I only get 1,002. Okay, they're saying you can number the stars. The Bible says you can't. Then they get a bigger glass that's more magnified, and they can see more. And they go, oh my goodness. I'm, and they start counting. Well, there's a million. There's, I, I, and then they get a bigger glass, and it looks beyond even our galaxy. And they say, our galaxy's got over a billion in it. And, and, and the next galaxy has got billions in it. And then there's more galaxies. And our galaxy is the smallest galaxy of all the galaxies. And, oh, you can't number them. Duh. What has the Bible been saying all along? So scientific accuracy and foresight. And we pick up with that today with the manuscript evidence. And before you tune me out and say, oh my goodness, a lecture on manuscript evidence, I could be home eating an Eggs Benedict right now. No, stay with me, stay with me, okay? This is very, very important. Because critics of the Bible often say, well, the Bible has been translated and copied so many times. This was even on a social media post last week. This has been copied in so many times down through the centuries that we can't trust what it says. Even if it began as trustworthy, you can't trust the Bible that you have today. Well, that may be a popular, popular belief, but guess what? It's proven to be wrong. The manuscript evidence comes alongside and proves that that is false. Now, what is a manuscript? A manuscript is a surviving handwritten copy of an ancient document that predates the invention of the printing press in 1455. Until the printing press in 1455, everything had to be copied by hand. Did you know that there are surviving today more than 25,000 partial and complete manuscripts, handwritten manuscripts of the New Testament, and thousands of copies of the Old Testament? 
And so many of them predate even the times of Christ. I don't know if you realize that or not. We have copies of the Old Testament that are older than the times of Jesus. And let me tell you, this is an amazing story. Oh, I love this story. It's just so God. In 1947, there was this little shepherd boy. He was 12 years old. Caleb, hold on. You're 12. You'll be 13 this week. So I can still use you in this story. Up through this week, I can use you. He's a 12-year-old boy like Caleb, my son here. And he was out tending the sheep and, and the goats for his dad. Uh, he was uh, a little northwest of the Dead Sea. You know where the Dead Sea is in Israel. You got the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River coming into what looks like a little hot dog that somebody took a bite out of it. That's the Dead Sea. Okay, we're looking at the northwest uh, portion of the Dead Sea. And here he makes this amazing discovery. He finds that in the, there are these, he's looking for a lost goat. You know, God, God took that goat. God said, come here, goaty, goaty, goat, goat, goat. And the little boy's like, where are you right? Goat, goat, goat. And God's pulling the goat in there. He's getting it discovered. And they find untouched for nearly 2,000 years, this little Muslim boy finds this uh, collection of large clay pots containing these carefully wrapped uh, leather manuscripts found there in the Dead Sea. Uh, that's why they call it the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, they were, it's like they were put there in a vault to protect the Word of God from the invasions of these other countries and nations that was coming in and destroying. See, the devil has always tried to destroy the Word of God. Even Pastor Rodica says in uh, Romania with Ceausescu, he's like, we will take, no one can have a Bible. Our church used to be a part of smuggling Bibles into Romania when it was illegal because Ceausescu said nobody can have a Bible. The devil's afraid of the Bible. They didn't say you can't have a dictionary. didn't say you can't have an encyclopedia. didn't say you can't have a, a novel. You can't have the Bible because the devil's afraid of the Bible. And Ceausescu said we'll burn all the Bibles or we'll turn them into toilet paper. Yeah, that'll be a slap in God's face if there is a God, which we know there is not, Ceausescu would say. Today, I'm sure he would speak differently as uh, he is spending eternity somewhere and he knows eternity is real. And uh, so, so this boy, he goes in and he stumbles on this ancient collection of these handwritten copies of the Old Testament and they dated back as far as the third century before Christ. Now, this is truly an amazing discovery. Archaeologists came in and they spent years searching all the surrounding caves and by the time they were done, they found copies of every book of the Old Testament except for Esther. They found copies of all of the Old Testament and in some cases they found multiple copies. I mean, they found 19 copies of the book of Isaiah, 25 copies of the book of Deuteronomy, and 30 copies of the book of Psalms, all in those caves around the Dead Sea there. Now, why in the world would I mention these Dead Sea Scrolls? Because manuscripts like the Dead Sea Scrolls have allowed biblical scholars and textual critics to go in and to verify the Bible we have today. So what they did is they take this predates Christ, they take these manuscripts, and they say, okay, y'all argue through the copying and the transfer that we've lost the truth and we've lost our way. Let's see if that's true. So they'll take a 21st century uh, 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 rendition of the Word of God and they'll take it and compare it to that which predated Jesus Christ. This which had been preserved for the thousands of years ago. And they look and guess what? They found that there was no alteration. There was no watering down. There was no change. It confirmed it 
right, it just, it was like if you took it in a transparency and laid it on top in the same language, it would fit perfectly together. After all of those thousands of years, which says that God who has breathed this word is also the God who is by his spirit having it preserved generation to generation to generation to generation and bringing it to us today. And you say, well, I don't believe this. Go to the British Museum. Go to Cambridge University Library. Go to Oxford University. Go to National Library at Paris. Go to Israel uh, Museum. You can see copies of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They won't let you touch them, and they won't let you take a, a light photographs of them uh, with light, but you can look at them. They're there. I'm telling you, God backs up His Word. And even if we didn't have all of these manuscript copies of the Bible, guess what? Our church fathers, those that came after the apostles, like Justin Martyr and uh, Eusebius and Tertullian and Polycarp and all of these, they wrote letters and, and uh, they wrote lectures and they wrote trainings and they wrote instructions to the churches as the churches were looking to them as the churches were growing. And guess what they find that most of their writings were? Copying the Scripture. So now, even if we didn't have a manuscript of the Bible, through the quotes, just like people put a scripture on Facebook today, through the quotes of the writings of these church fathers, for the New Testament alone, we have over 86,000 references to the Bible. I'm telling you, their writings of these church fathers, they, it's like they were, they were being uh, uh, scribes and copying the Bible and didn't even realize it. Praise God. So you've got all of this evidence coming in, compounding the, 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 the fact that the Word of God is trustworthy. I'm telling you, God said in Isaiah 40 and 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. I'm telling you, there's no book like it. There is nothing in the world like it that can take the years and take the copies and take uh, the abuse and take the uh, attempts of annihilation and still be standing here in 2019. Heaven and earth, Jesus said, will pass away, but my words will not pass away. See, you've got to put your confidence in the Word of God. And He says in His Word and makes a promise to you and you will believe it and know that the blood of martyrs have gone and trickled in with the earth to preserve that word for you, that it is alive, that it is quicker and is sharper than any double-edged sword, that you can take that word, you can believe that word, you can confess that word, you can live off of that word, and that word will work if you'll work the word. you got to know that you can trust the Bible. Hallelujah. The next reason we look at is the Bible's transparency about its authors and characters, their failures. If man was involved in this and their will, they would have made themselves look better, okay? I don't think uh, Noah getting drunk right after uh, getting off the ark would have been included, okay? Abraham lying many times. I'm father of faith, but he's lying about his wife being his sister. Oh, boy. Moses murdering the man in Egypt. And, uh, you know, I think he'd have left that part out and said, you know, I was just in the wilderness. He wouldn't have said why he was in the wilderness. I was just in the wilderness, saw a burning bush. And, yeah, we'd have picked up the story there. But no, tell the whole story, okay? And uh, you look at Exodus and Numbers, and Moses is the author there, so wow. There's Israel. Look at how you get in the book of Judges, and you see how Israel rejects God, builds up idols, and worships false gods. And, and this is being preserved and, and given to us, the Old Testament, from the Jewish people. I don't think they'd have been telling on themselves all over and over all their failures. And 
David's adultery with Bathsheba, oh boy, and then killing her husband, Uriah. You know, he's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to be the man after God's own heart. The kids don't need to hear that stuff. Kids, close your ears, okay? Okay, adultery in the Bible? and Oh my goodness, but there it is, transparent. Jesus calls Peter Satan. Well, I'd have left that one out. If I had anything to do with it, I, you know, I'd have said, no, no, no. You know, Jesus may have said that, but we're not writing it down, okay? Amen? Peter denied he knew Jesus. Peter's fear of being uh, seen eating with the Gentiles. Oh, what prejudice. Man, you're supposed to be a leader in this new, uh, the new church here. You're the one preached on the day of Pentecost, and now how dare you be so prejudiced against the Gentiles? And that's recorded there. I mean, over and over, them falling asleep when Jesus was basically begging them to stay up at least an hour and pray with him during his most uh, trial, trial night. And uh, I wouldn't have recorded that. On and on. Paul, he's a you know, zealot. He's, a, you know, he's definitely been raised in the Ivy League of the law. Uh, you might would say a Pharisee of Pharisees. But here he's confessing in Romans 7 and 24, I'm a wretched man. I am chief of sinners. Paul and Barnabas' argument over Mark, whether Mark could go back on the second missionary journey. There's something Grandma said you just don't need to be talking about. But there it is, right there in the Bible. The transparency shows you that, the, that what we have here is given to us to be truth. And it, that truth has a power to transform the worst of mankind. The worst of, of the worst, it can go in through truth and set us free. Hallelujah. And then there's the persecution of the early Christians. Nobody would go through what these men went through. Nobody, if it were a lie. If they knew it were a lie, no, they would not. I'm telling you, uh, you can make up stuff all you want, and you can get a little notoriety, but when you come under persecution for it, let me tell you what, you would be, you would be changing your story. But they, they did not. They did not. And we've got these independent, extra-biblical sources like Flavius and Josephus and, and Eusebius and Tertullian and others that are writing as they're watching and recording what is happening to Jesus' earliest followers. And here's his apostles. They suffered intense persecution, even death for, of their loved ones. They, you, you killing my child? No! If, if it was a lie, you think I would hold on to a lie and let you kill my child in front of me and kill my spouse in front of me? No. And then Matthew was slain by an axe in the city of Ethiopia. Uh, Mark died in Alexandria of northern Egypt there, having been cruelly dragged through the streets there. And Luke was hung to death in Greece. And John was tortured, burnt in oil, boiled in oil, and exiled to an island. James, the brother of John, was beheaded in Jerusalem. And James the last, as he was called, was thrown from a pinnacle of the temple. And when he fell, he was still moving. He wasn't dead. So then they picked up stones and stoned him to death. Because they wouldn't recant. They wouldn't say what they knew of God was true, was a lie, that they made it up. They said, no, kill me if you will. Do it. I cannot recant. It is true. He is alive. He did say that. That, is, that record is uh, the accurate. I mean, Philip was hung up against a pillar and stoned to death. Bartholomew, they flayed him. They tied him and flayed him open. And his intestines just hanging out. And they said, you will stand here, get infection and rot to death. And everybody will watch you in the square unless you recant. And he says, I can't recant. And there they are as they're cutting him open. Can you imagine? All he had to say is, it's not true. 
but that he just took the pain, no anesthesia, and flayed him open, and he said, what I said is true. What I heard God say is true. What has been recorded is true. I'm telling you, Andrew was bound to a cross and left to die, and Jude was shot to death with arrows. And remember Matthias, the one that filled Judas' spot? Okay, he was first stoned, and then he was still alive, so they took and cut his head off. And he could have said, wait a minute, I came in late. I really didn't see everything. I was kind of the, you know, the, I was not the first pick, you know. But no, he's like, I can't recant. It's all true. Barnabas was stoned to death. Paul was tortured and imprisoned and then beheaded in Rome. Thomas was run through his body with a spear in southeast India. And Peter, when they went to crucify him, tradition says, he said, don't crucify me like my Jesus. So they crucified him upside down. Now, I ask you, were these men lying? Who in the world would give their lives and their family's life for a lie? I'm telling you what, I know that they were telling the truth to be able to stand and go through unto death what they did. And then we've got number nine, the Bible's transforming power of God. Oh, there's nothing like it. The Bible claims to be living. The Bible claims to be powerful. Please hear me. Hebrews 4 and 12, the Word of God is living. It is active. If you have need of life today, if you have need of activity of heaven today, if you have need of a miracle today, if you have need of a truth that will pull you up out of the cesspool of life today, I'm telling you, this Bible, you can trust it. It is alive. It is active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, uh, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, even to the discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Uh, if you, whatever you have need of, you can find it in the Word of God. Because you can trust the Word of God. I love what the psalmist said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalms 19. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's whole. It's complete. It revives the soul. Anybody need revival? Anybody need reviving today? Anybody need to see a relationship revived? You need to see a part of your body revived. You need to see an organ revived. You need to see finances revived. You need to see your joy revived. I'm telling you, the law of the Lord revives the soul. It is a testimony of the Lord. It is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord, they are right. Rejoicing the heart. You need some joy? Some of you got a frown. Turn, turn it upside down. Let's get some smiles on our face today. How? Let the light of the Word of God come into your darkness of your heart and will turn your life around. Hallelujah. It is the commandment of the Lord. It is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Wow. This is the Word of God that we have today. And I'm here to tell you, this book keeps giving and giving and giving. If a dictator comes in and burns the pages wherever the ashes fall, it seems to bring forth a vineyard of life. And wherever, even if it was turned into toilet paper, I'm telling you, there were those that were reading it before they even thought to use it. And their lives were transformed and they became... I, I pray that those, I don't know this, but those that led that march out there in uh, 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 Romania and they said enough is enough we're Christians and we're coming out of the church and we're coming into the streets and we're going to accept the freedom that our God has given to us and we, we were there we were there what's the city? Uh, Timisoara 
Yeah, Timmy Sorter. We were right there. Saw the bullet holes just last summer. Saw it all where it started. It was the Christians leading the way. Pastor Radiga was living there in Arati at the time, looking, washing windows. Oh, my. Did you get scarred? Because we have a window washing company now. You got scarred because, of, okay, the, the revolution took place. She was washing windows, and, and they were out in the streets. And let me tell you what, standing up, there was Christians that led the way. I pray that the leader of all of that was one of them that was reading that toilet paper and saw John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, or He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I don't know that to be true, but I tell you what, that's kind of the stories you'll get from the Word of God. It just keeps giving and giving and living and living and healing and healing and delivering and delivering. God said, I sent my Word and healed all your diseases. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I rejoice in the fact that 30 plus years of ministry, I've seen it over and over and over. The lives that are changed. The Bible has inspired people. The Bible has, has built countless hospitals and countless orphanages. Some of the greatest universities that we have were begun by as Bible colleges to teach the Word of God. We've seen uh, innumerable humanitarian efforts around the world. The poor has been impacted by the church more than any other government or any other organization known to mankind because the Word gets in us and the Word begins to work through us and everywhere the Word goes, it brings good. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. There was this secular historian, Philip, Philip Shaith, and here's what he said. He says, I've observed and observed, and, and this is what I can say about this Jesus of Nazareth. Without money and arms, he conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and Napoleon. And without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and all the scholars combined. Without an eloquence of school, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. And without writing a single line that we know of, he set more pens in motion, furnished themes for more sermons and orations and discussions and learned volumes and works of art and songs of praise and worship than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. He says, I'm just a historian. You're telling you what I've studied and found to be true, this Jesus, this person of Christ. No other book in the world has the kind of far-reaching, culture-crossing, multi-generational transforming effect on human lives and societies for good than the Bible has. The Bible's transforming power, it just changes. It goes into a, a place of cannibals, and the next thing you know, they're not cannibals anymore. And they're, they're Christians, and they're, now they're sending out missionaries, and they're, they're bringing humanitarian aid to their people rather than destroying their own people. It does good everywhere it goes. Let the Word of God loosen your life. Don't let it sit dusty on a shelf. Let it loosen your life, and it'll bring good. Do what the Word says. Stand on the Word of God. Confess the Word of God. Live according to the Word of God. And good will be manifest in and through your life. I wrap it up with this one. The testimony of Jesus, the Son of God. Now let me tell you why. This is the reason you can believe the Bible is trustworthy. Because Jesus said it was. Okay? If there's anyone we can trust regarding the Word of God, it's the one who proved to be the Son of God. 
the one who fulfilled over a hundred Old Testament prophecies to the letter, lived a sinless life, performed numerous miracles, was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected on the third day, and seemed to be ascended into the heavens and has gone to be seated at his right hand of the Father. Jesus said you can trust the Bible. He tells us it's without error. In John 17 and 17, he said, Thy word is truth. It is not error. It is not full of contradiction. It is full of truth, Jesus said. Jesus says it's historically reliable. For Jesus gets there in Matthew 12 and 40 and he starts talking about Jonah in the whale or in the big fish, the great fish. There Jesus didn't say, that's just a story. He said, no, for as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the great fish. And then Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about the days of Noah and, and them going into the ark. He, he didn't say that was a good story. He said, no, that actually happened. He's confirming the Word of God. It's historically reliable. And then it's divinely authoritative. When Jesus was in the wilderness and was tempted by Satan, He resisted the devil by quoting the Word of God over and over again. Every temptation, He came at the devil with the Word. It is written. It is written. It is written. I'm here to tell you, you and I have to do the same today. we got to learn the Word. And we got to come against the devil and every temptation He would ever bring against us with the Word of God. It is accurate regarding human origin. We were in D.C. here recently, and they're in one of the Smithsonian uh, uh, um, uh, museums. I don't know what I want to call it. I'll call it something else. But you know, the whole thing, the whole thing, floor after floor, showing me how I came from an embryo, how I came from this little uh, egg of a fly or something in the water, and then a tadpole, and then a, a frog, and then you know, just crawled my way on up through monkey uh, silhouette into being a human today. And they got all kind of bones and all kind of stuff trying to prove this is that and that is this. And I'm telling you what, you bunch of idiots, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? The Bible tells us how we came. And why have we stopped evolving? Come on now, if that works, well, let's just say, well, another billion years. Yeah, that fixes everything, right? Something nobody can measure or prove. But look at what I'm giving you to measure and prove about the trustworthiness of the Word of God. And the Bible says God formed clay and He took and He breathed into the nostril of man His breath and we became an eternal living being. And let me tell you what, everyone who says we came from a monkey when they die, they're going to find out that eternity is real. One way or another, they're going to find out eternity is real. Look, maybe too late then. I'm going to stand with God. I am created in the image of God. I am not a frog over a billion years come to who I am today, Gribbit. No, I, that, I just joked. Okay. Okay. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't, that wasn't inspired, okay? <laughs> and then infallible, it's dependable, it's unbreakable. Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. It's indestructible. I'm telling you, it's been proven dictators and, and, and conquerors have come in and tried to destroy it over and over. And today, there are atheists and there are those that I don't know what they claim to be that are still trying to destroy it. They cannot. It's indestructible. 
Matthew 5 and 18, Jesus says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest stroke shall pass away from the law until it is accomplished. Jesus said, whatever I've sent my word to do, it's going to do it. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't alter it. It is indestructible. And I'm here today to rejoice in the fact that, devil, you can keep on trying, but it's not going to work. You can keep on lying, but it's not going to work. You can keep on trying to fool people, but it's not going to work. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to see the truth of the gospel and the power it has, uh, and we're going to stand according to the word. We're going to live according to the word. And if the word says don't live like this, we're not going to live like that. And if the word says we should do this, then that's what we're going to do. We're not going to alter it. We're not going to tear pages out of it. Because let me tell you what, God has given it to us as a plumb line of life, uh, and he's going to measure us for eternity by his word. I'm here to tell you today, you can trust the Bible. You can read it with confidence. You can stand upon his promises. You can draw comfort from his passages. I'm here to tell you, you can gain wisdom from his pages. But best of all, you can know your creator by reading it. What a joy to know that we can know our God heart to heart. We can know him personally when we read the word of God. I want to close this part of the service by asking you, do you know him? Do you know him? He says, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's the word of God. I know man says, oh, there's many paths, many ways. You know, it all leads to heaven. That sounds good. And if we, had, if we had the opportunity to change it, we'd probably want to change it to include more people. But we don't have the opportunity to change it. We're talking about an indestructible, infallible, dependable, unbreakable, accurately, divinely authoritative, historically reliable book without error that's been given to us by God. We can't change it. So we align ourselves with it. Amen? He says, unless, unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the light. And if I hear his words correctly, and manuscripts back it up, extra biblical writers back it up, those who were persecuted said, we're not going to recant. This is what he said. He says, no one comes to the Father except by me. So it's either through Jesus or no other way. But the good news is he made it easy. He did the hard work. He did the heavy lifting. And he says, all you got to do is believe. That I am the Son of God, that God has raised me from the dead. And confess with your mouth my Lordship, my rule, my Lordship over your life, where you surrender to me. Call upon my name, Jesus. You shall be saved. We don't have to go climb a mountain. We don't have to go dig a well. We don't have to go and swim the vast oceans to prove ourselves entered into by faith do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and God has raised him from the dead he is alive just like this Bible says he is if so confess his lordship which means surrender Jesus I surrender
to your Lordship. I want to live my life to honor you. I want to live my life to bring glory and honor and praise to our Father, Jesus. You came, shed your blood, sinless blood, to pay off my sinful account. You came and hung on a cross, which brought a curse upon you, my curse, so that you could get your blessing on me. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. You, made, you did the hard work. And you said you did it because you loved me. Father, you said you sent Jesus because you loved me. Holy Spirit, you said you were here to, to minister this, this reconciliation and minister this, this new birth because you love me. All I got to do is be a willing participant. Are you? Jesus says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Some people say, do I have to get baptized to be saved? Jesus, I believe, was saying, if you truly, your heart is truly surrendered to me, then you're going to make a public declaration. You're going to make a, and I'm going to ask you to do what I did. Jesus said, I went and was baptized by John the Baptist. I'm asking you to be. So if you haven't been baptized, you say, well, I'm saved, but I haven't been baptized. I'm not telling you without baptism, you can go, you're not going to heaven. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Jesus says, you need to be baptized. We have baptism coming up. It's an opportunity for you to stand right up here behind this screen in a, in a setting of worship and be baptized and make a declaration to the devil, every demon, and every, every angel of heaven and uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and all your brothers and sisters in Christ that I, as I go under this water, have died to myself and I come alive. I'm living my life for Jesus Christ. That's my witness. But don't wait until that day of baptism to make the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Do that right now. Would you stand with me? Would you stand? Father God, we just stand in your presence now. And while I'm praying, I'd ask our ushers if you would just make your way over and get the elements of the Lord's table ready and come stand before the heads of these aisles. Father, we just stand in your presence as we prepare to close this service in an activity that you, Jesus, initiated and said that as often as we do this we do it in remembrance of you Lord God that we are a part of the membership of who you are part of your member Lord there may be those that have not called upon your name or maybe those that have backslidden and turned their back on you God but right now in this building and those that are tuned in around the world right now you say you know what this is the word of God unless a man be born again he cannot enter into the kingdom of God I want to be born again I want to be born again. And Lord, right now I come to you. You can pray it with me right now. Jesus, Jesus, I call on your precious name. The name that heals and the name that delivers and the name that forgives and the name that redeems. Jesus, Jesus, I call on your name. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins, I pray. Go ahead and ask Him to right here in this congregation, wherever you're at, tuning in. You may be in your living room. You may be in your vehicle. You may be in an office somewhere. Right, right here, right now. Jesus, come into my heart. I invite you in. You're there knocking at my heart's door. And anyone who'll open up, you'll come in. Lord, I'm opening up. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I believe that God has raised you from the dead, just like the Bible says. And I want to confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender.
Go ahead and tell him right now, I surrender my life to you. And if you haven't been baptized, make a promise to him right now, Jesus, I'm going to honor your words and I'm going to obey what you commanded. I'm going to be baptized in a way that's going to bring glory and honor to you for what you have done in my life. I love you, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.